Welcome back to the Evidence-Based Rheumatology Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Putman, and this is episode 69, Publication Trends in Rheumatology Systematic Reviews and Randomized Controlled Trials, 1995-2017. Now, if you remember, I said that I was going to be sharing a little more of my own research. This is just such a project. It's a letter that was recently published in the Journal of Rheumatology between myself, Alexander Chetoff, and Joshua D. Neferatos, a collaborator with whom I've been working lately. To start off, I'm just going to read you the letter, because a lot of it stands on its own. So here goes. To the editor. The growth of systematic reviews and meta-analyses, SRMAs, has outpaced the growth of randomized clinical trials, RCTs, in many medicine subspecialties. This may reflect technological advances in SRMA production, fewer barriers to publish, or academic pressure to produce citations. The value of disproportionate SRMA growth has been brought into question, but the nature of RCT growth has undergone less scrutiny. In rheumatology, nearly four in five RCTs receive pharmaceutical industry funding, which could influence the relative proportion of early-stage efficacy studies as opposed to post-marketing safety studies. In this letter, we describe the relative growth of rheumatology RCTs and SRMAs, as well as the phase of clinical trials over time, neither of which have been previously assessed in the field of rheumatology. We conducted a cross-sectional study using the R package RISMED, which extracted bibliographic content from the database PubMed. The inclusion criteria began on January 1st of 1995 to account for systematic errors in PubMed's categorization of SRMAs, and ended on June 31st, 2017, to account for delays in medical subject heading MASH indexing. SRMAs were searched as a single category using systematic reviews or meta-analyses. RCTs were searched using randomized controlled trials as a publication type. The phase of trial was searched using a query for each phase, And then there's a whole bunch of MASH headings that I included here that I'm not going to read over the podcast. (laughs) Suffice it to say that we identified rheumatology studies. Back to the letter. From 1995 to 2017, we identified 3,529 SRMAs and 7,469 RCTs. The yearly production of SRMAs, 11 in 1995 to 420 in 2017, outpaced the growth of yearly production of RCTs. 145 in 1995 to 452 in 2017, the ratio of SRMAs to RCTs increased from 0.08 in 1995 to a nearly equivalent production of 0.93 in 2017. Over the same period, 1,169 trials received a MASH heading denoting their clinical phase. These included 125 Phase 1 trials, 506 Phase 2 trials, 479 Phase 3 trials, and 59 Phase 4 trials. I encourage you to take a quick break, hop onto my Twitter account, and look at the graphic that I published there. It's hard to totally visualize what this paper means without seeing that. I'll describe it briefly here, which is just to say that both RCTs and SRMAs have increased in frequency. The ratio has gone up pretty dramatically to the point where at essentially equivalent yearly production. And then phase two and phase three trials have become quite a bit more common, whereas phase one and phase four trials have really not grown at all. So with that aside, let me hop back into the letter. Rheumatology SRMAs have grown 15 times faster than rheumatology RCTs and approached equivalent yearly production by 2017. Well-conducted SRMAs on unaddressed clinical questions provide substantial value to the field of rheumatology and should be applauded. Modern reporting guidelines, pre-registration of SRMA protocols, and systematic review software have encouraged their production and improved their quality. However, it has been suggested that many SRMAs are redundant or methodologically flawed, primarily burnishing academic curriculum vitae or providing marketing tools for the pharmaceutical industry. 
An ideal ratio of SRMA to RCT production is not known, but disproportionate SRMA production of this magnitude may not provide commensurate value. Future work should investigate both the quality of SRMAs in rheumatology and the degree to which they are influenced by industry sponsors. RCT growth resulted almost exclusively from increases in Phase 2-3 trials, which generate dose and efficacy data. Such trials may be underpowered to identify relevant safety signals and often do not reflect real-world settings. Phase 4, post-marketing trials, may address these limitations, providing clinical effectiveness data from larger heterogeneous groups over longer periods of time. Even after the U.S. FDA received authorization to require post-marketing trials in 2007, publication of Phase 4 trials did not increase. This finding could be related to safer drugs that require less monitoring, but it seems more likely that the pharmaceutical industry is responding to public policy incentives. These incentives encourage Phase 3 trials, which result in FDA approval. This study was limited to MeSH terms and published papers, which may not reflect the entire medical literature. These limitations notwithstanding, our data suggests that the incentives driving the current rheumatology research agenda have brought about market growth of SRMAs as compared to RCTs and Phase 2-3 trials as compared to Phase 4 trials. Rheumatologists should consider whether this represents an ideal allocation of research activity, and public policymakers may be encouraged to require a higher proportion of Phase 4 trials. The end. So it was a short letter, and this will make for a short podcast, but I think this is a really interesting topic. To summarize, there are a lot of systematic reviews and meta-analyses that are being produced. At a basic philosophical level, it seems strange to me that we are making more papers that are talking about topics than we are actually making papers that generate novel data. I'm not sure if this is actually a problem. Like I said in the letter, the ideal ratio of SRMAs to RCTs is certainly not known. It does seem to be that SRMAs have exploded in frequency, and I am pretty confident that a lot of those are of relatively low value. There's been good work on this in other fields, though none in rheumatology yet, of which I'm aware. The other issue that I enjoyed tackling in this paper was just the phase of clinical trials. I think that the pharmaceutical companies have understandably responded to incentives, and this has created a lot of phase 3 trials. Phase 3 trials are good. We find out whether or not medications work. The problem is that phase 3 trials often don't really give us enough information about potential harms. You would expect phase 4 trials to go up along with phase 3 trials to some degree, but instead what we've seen is a pretty dramatic proliferation of phase 3s without a commensurate increase of phase 4s to go along with them. I personally think that's very interesting, and I hope that you did too. This is a quick, easy podcast, and one that I hope you enjoyed. Thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to share with friends, and 